0: Praise God. Actually, you know, and one of the groups Kurt didn't mention that's, I don't know if it's really an official group, but Thomas and Caitlin leading a group on Tuesday nights, not necessarily in the program yet, but so if you guys want in- information on that. Um, last night, we were at the, a uh, bunch of us were at the team banquet and uh, raising awareness uh, to, uh, with the fight against human trafficking. We hate that. And um, greatly. And, uh, and they're starting a restoration center in, in Southern California right here, like in Azusa. And so uh, they're raising $175,000 for this year's budget to be able to get this thing off the ground. And, uh, and so it was a powerful night. Oh, man, we heard from a lady who God has rescued uh, through people, obviously, but rescued and restored uh, out of human trafficking. And that girl was on fire. I was getting fired up to preach the gospel. I was like... Those of you who were there, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, I'm going to go hand down hot dogs to kids, man. I'm preaching the gospel. It was powerful. And then, um, and then we heard from a DA, the DA of San, uh, San Bernardino. Uh, I'd probably say his last name wrong, but Ramos or Ramos. And that was powerful. Talk about a man who's, I believe, using his position to do something uh, for people, for, for justice. And so that was powerful. And I was getting fired up. I was like, let's, get some, let's do something for the kingdom here. And, uh, but it doesn't take me much. You talk about Something to do with the kingdom, I'll get fired up. But if you want to give or you want to know information, just let us know. You know what I'm saying? We didn't like planet, plan you know what I'm saying? Send the baskets back around. Uh, I'm just messing. But um, if that's something that you're, you're inter- interested in, you can still sew into that, all right? Team, world team. Awesome. Um, hey, turn, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, and we're starting our series. If we can put up the title slide, we're starting a series today called Perfecting faith. Now I'm going to explain to you in the next couple of weeks, you'll understand why that's the title. But let me tell you what God's going to do. The Lord is going to strengthen you in your faith today and in the next number of weeks. The Lord is going to supernaturally impart to you faith. And you're going to to see the kingdom of God manifest in your life and through you to other people more. God's going to do some powerful stuff. Even today, the Lord is going to begin uh, to strengthen your faith. We're going to be learning how to cultivate, how to increase, how to add to our faith, because, as you were going to learn, faith is vital, and you can grow your faith. Faith is not a subtopic in the Bible, is it? Faith is not just like one of many possible things one could talk about. It's not like a peripheral issue in the Bible. It is foundational. It is core. Faith is vital to our relation with God and to seeing the kingdom manifest in our lives. And so we've got to go after this thing. And I believe the Lord is calling me to, uh, to teach you this. And so you're going to, here's what we're going to do, rather than explaining it all to you and everything, we're just going to dive into the Word right now. I believe by the end of today, and even in the next couple of weeks, you're going to understand what we mean, what is meant by perfecting faith, you're going you're gonna to understand what God wants to do in you. But instead of me explaining it, we're just going to like parachute right into a story in the life of Jesus, Mark chapter 9, very, very, very important story. Very important story when it comes to understanding the kingdom in Jesus' ministry. And we're just going to jump right into this story. And I think you're going to see that this is so important for you and I to hear Jesus discipling us today. All right? So, in fact, can we, uh, David, can you pull up that declaration? It's right after that slide. Jesus wants to disciple you today. Amen? Anybody else want to, you want, you want the Lord to reveal some things to you? Jesus, right there in the gospels, he wants to disciple you right now. I know it's through me, sorry, but, (laughs) but the Lord wants to reveal something to you today, yeah? So let's open up our hearts. If you have a Bible, you grab it, if not, you just steal someone else's, and, um, And let's declare this on the count of three. Ready? I mean, I want, like, loud, okay? Like, I mean, not loud, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, one, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen, Lord Jesus, we invite you. You are the author and finisher of our faith, and we invite you to disciple us, teach us, train us, mold us. We invite you to to show us your example, your modeling. We invite you to cultivate in us your faith, perfect faith. Amen. So Mark chapter 9, like I said, this very, very important story. We're going to jump right into it, verse 14. Verse 14 Jesus is coming down from the mountain with James, John, and Peter. He's coming down from that mountain where he was transfigured. They saw the glory of Jesus. He's coming down from the mountain. He's coming off of that experience with uh, Peter, James, and John. And he enters into a very chaotic scene. Very chaotic. In fact, as I read this, just imagine chaos. Social chaos is what I mean. Verse 14, And when he came to the disciples... He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately they saw him. All the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them, my disciples? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, it foams at the He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they couldn't. And he, Jesus, answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him, the boy, to, to him, Jesus. And when he saw him, Immediately the spirit, that evil spirit, convulsed him and he fell to, on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So he, referring to Jesus, asked his father, the boy's father, how long, is it, how long has this been happening to him? And he, the father said, from childhood. And often he, he the, the demon, has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of that child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he, the boy, became as one dead, so that many said, oh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Verse 28, and when he, Jesus, had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer, fasting. Man, what a chaotic scene. Do you realize Jesus is just coming down from this mountain? I mean, I don't know about you. You ever had just a wonderful vacation? And then ah, everything goes crazy, right? Jesus, I mean, it's not like he was on vacation, but what I'm saying is coming down from this experience with God where he's been transfigured and he's walking into this scene and it is chaotic, there are these religious leaders and they are arguing with his disciples and in the midst of that, there is this young boy and his dad. Jesus doesn't even walk up to his disciples. He walks right up to the religious leaders and he's like, what are, what are you guys arguing about? Like, why are you, why are you picking on my disciples? <laughs> you know? Why are you messing with them? And he, he does, nobody even answers his question. They don't even have time because this desperate father... Who has this son that he loves so dearly? Desperately wants his son to be healed. And he's heard about Jesus. He probably doesn't even know much about Jesus. It sure seems like that from the story. But all he knows is I've heard about this Jesus and nobody else can help me. My boy's mute. My boy gets these epileptic seizures. And he gets thrown to the ground and he's almost died. He's been burned. He's almost drowned. And just everything within him is like, I just, want, I just want my son to have a breakthrough. And so this, this, this father, he's like, I could care less about what the religious leaders and the disciples are arguing about. I mean, they're like still arguing. And this father's like, teacher, teacher, I brought my, I brought my son to you. To you. you notice that? You notice that he says, I brought my son to you. And he says, but your disciples couldn't do it. See, he was looking for Jesus. And when he found a disciple of Jesus, what did he assume? That a disciple can do what the master does. Because that's what a disciple is. One who lives and does, just like the master. And when the disciples couldn't, Oh his hope is just drained out and yet still in desperation he comes to Jesus and he says please help me and the moment that that happens do you think everybody gets quiet no everybody's still like ba and all of a sudden the boy has an epileptic seizure the spirit that demon manifests in this boy and throws him to the ground right there and Jesus doesn't even Address it. See, because Jesus has something he's got to get done here. The moment if you see in verse 20 that the spirit, the demon, threw that boy to the ground, Jesus looks at the Father and says, Hey, how long has this been going on? I mean, you gotta understand. This boy is like freaking out over here, or being tormented, really, and the crowd is like, ah, what's going on? And these scribes, these Pharisees, these religious leaders are like, oh. and I mean, all this is going on. It's crazy. And people are like, what is going on? And they're starting to like run and to Jesus. And he looks at the Father. And he says, Hey, how long has this been going on? He completely ignores all the chaos. He completely ignores the fact that this boy is manifesting by a demon. And he just looks at the Father. Right there. Because he's got something he needs to deal with. See, the the disciples were overwhelmed, weren't they? Had the disciples healed people before? You guys know the Gospels, didn't they? But something about this was just over their head, right? They saw that boy... They And they just they just didn't know what to do. They were overwhelmed. They saw the Father who really didn't have a lot of faith and they weren't really sure what to do. And then these religious leaders are trying to be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Is, can, is, can you really do this? And, and they start arguing theologically and arguing about traditions and the disciples don't know what to do. So literally because of the, this, this, this intense demonic manifestation, because of the, this, this desperation of his father, and because of the religious leaders basically attacking them and, and questioning them, all their faith just drains right out. And they are completely overwhelmed. The disciples are like, well, I don't, we don't know what to do. And notice that none of that phases Jesus. You see that? This is the same Jesus that was in a boat during a storm, and he stood up and was like, what's going on, guys? Why are you guys afraid? Hey, be quiet. And the storm quieted, yeah? Was he afraid? Was he concerned? Was he like, "Eh, I don't know if this is going to work? No, this is the same Jesus that stood in the midst of a storm that was, by the way, causing their boat to almost sink, capsize, and he wasn't worried at all. And in the midst of this social storm, this chaos, he looks right at the father and he says, hey, what's going on? And he ignores everything else. He's not moved by what he sees. And the father explains to him, this has been happening since he was a child, and he explains to him how bad it is, and none of that faces Jesus. Jesus isn't like, oh. Oh. Really, from childhood? Ooh, that's a tough one. Jesus isn't like, oh my goodness, you mean the demon tries to kill him? Oh, dude, I'm freaked out now. That's a big demon. That's a strong demon. Well, that's a prayer and fasting demon. That's, that's going to be a tough one. He doesn't do that at all, does he? Is he worried at all? Is Jesus double-minded? Is Jesus like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not? No. In the Father's desperation, he says to Jesus this phrase in verse 22, very important. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. I mean, he's just, he's just desperate, right? Desperate. He loves his boy. And in verse 22, he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, I mean, give me, a med- give, you know, give me a medication, something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got something? I don't care if there's side effects. Like, I'll take it. Any parent who's had a sick child, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, we'll try anything. And I said, any parent who's had a sick child, we'll do anything. Just help me, please, help me. And this father's probably tried everything. You see, he does, not, he does not know Jesus. here. He doesn't really know Jesus. This man does not have very much faith. He's not even sure if Jesus is able to do this. The man's faith is just drained. The man does not have any faith. Just in case you were wondering, Jesus does say to him, verse 19, Jesus answered him, Jesus answered him and said, "Oh, faithless generation. This man was not coming to Jesus with faith. He heard about Jesus and he just, he just didn't know. But there is something that this dad did have. Oh, he was desperate. He loved his boy. And he cries out to Jesus. He just says, if you can, would you have compassion on us and help us? He he doesn't even know that Jesus wants to do this. He doesn't know that Jesus is full of compassion and willing to heal. He does not know that Jesus is able to do anything he wants to do. He doesn't know that he's the Messiah. It's a pretty low level of faith, let me tell you. And he says to Jesus, if you can, if you can, would you do something? Could you? Please? He's begging Jesus. He's just begging Him, oh please if you can, if you're, if you're able to, if you would please, if you, if you wouldn't mind, please. Please. And Jesus says to him, if you can believe, If you can believe. Now, he's not speaking with like an attitude, right? He's not like, I can. Who do you think you're dealing with? He's not talking like that. I'd probably talk like that. What? <laughs> if I can. But I want you to see something. He puts the responsibility right back on the Father. You've got to understand something. Jesus is trying to work with this dad. Why is he ignoring everything else and talking directly to the Father? Why did he even ask the Father that question? And why is it that he looks at him and says, No, no, it's not a matter of if I can do it. It's not a question of if I want to do it. Anything is possible to the one who will believe. So the question is, do you believe? He puts the responsibility to believe on the man. He doesn't say, you heal the boy. He doesn't say that. Because that would be putting on the man something he can't do. Right? He doesn't say that. He simply tells the man to do the one thing that he can do. And the one thing that is required. He does not ask the man to do the impossible. He simply asks the father to do the possible if you can believe. What is he saying? Jesus makes it very clear. Everything, anything is possible to him who believes. We're not talking about positive thinking. We're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about having a healthy self-image. He says... If you believe in who I am, if you believe what I say, you have access to all the power of God. See, faith has access to all of God's power and all of God's promises. Why? Because Jesus has come. The king has come, right? The kingdom has come. And when he came, he brought all the power of God to bring healing and redemption to people's lives. I did not come to condemn. I came to save. The enemy kills, steals, and destroys. I have come to give life and life abundantly. Oh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to heal, right? To heal, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to open the eyes of the blind. Jesus is saying, you can have access to all of the power of God you can see the kingdom of God manifest in your life. You can have access to all of the promises because I'm here now. The kingdom has here now. If you can believe. Faith is only as strong as the one you trust in. Faith is only as strong as the object of that faith. And Jesus is saying, if you can believe... That what I say is true, that who I say I am is true. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. Now when we say anything, again, we're talking about the kingdom power of God to bring redemption. We're talking about God's promises that he made in his book, his word, to fulfill them. We would never take this out of context and think that he means like, so you can fly and become a unicorn or something like that. That's just silliness. And the most amazing thing about this man is that he doesn't get offended at Jesus. But when Jesus says to him, if you can believe, anything is possible to him who believes. The man repents. If you wondered what repentance looked like, There's a good one right there. If you ever wondered what it looks like to have childlike faith, remember Jesus said you can't even enter the kingdom unless you become like a child and humble yourself. If you ever wonder what it looks like, that's a great picture right there. This man completely agrees with Jesus and admits, you're right, I have no faith. He completely admits it. He's in the presence of the one who can do the impossible. He's in the presence of the one who cannot lie, who is always faithful, who's completely able and completely willing to heal his son. And the the man, for the first time, realizes, I don't believe you. But why did Jesus say that to him? Why did Jesus say, if you can believe? Wasn't he awakening faith in the man? Wasn't he teaching him something? In that one little instance, what was Jesus doing? He was awakening faith in that man. He was inviting him, wasn't he? If you can believe, if you can believe. Was he condemning the man? I was going to do it, but not anymore. After you said that, if you can believe, I'm out of here. Did he do that? He didn't do that. No, he spoke to the man. Why do you think he was doing this the whole time? Does it make sense? He ignored everybody. Hey, what's going on with your kid? And when the man said, if you can, he said, if you can believe. And then he taught him about the kingdom. You see that really quick? Anything is possible to him who believes. He just taught him about the kingdom right there. He says, look, I'm the Messiah. He didn't explain all that, but I'm the Messiah. The kingdom's here. All you need to do is believe. The man completely admits his unbelief. He says, you're right, I don't have faith. But he also makes a confession of faith, doesn't he? Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I believe you can do anything. I believe it. I believe it. And Lord, help my unbelief. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't fake Jesus out, does he? He's completely humble and honest. He repents and says, yeah, you're right, I'm wrong. I believe that what you said is true, even though I, I got no faith. I'm a, All my unbelief, help me. And you know what? That's enough for Jesus to get the job done, isn't it? He's, I'll take that one. And he looks at the boy, and he speaks to that demon. Woo! And do you hear what he says? You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, get out and don't come back. And what does the demon do? Tries to throw a little last fit. Does Jesus worry about it? No, he's probably sitting here like this in his head, probably thinking, I already told you to come out. you are going to come out. He doesn't say it a second time, does he? Demon manifests one last time and gives up. You want to know why? Because demons are weak. They're not very strong. Oh, you think they are, but they're not. They're very weak. And when he told them to leave... It had to go, put up a little fight, and he was like, oh, I'm out of here, and it left. And the boy was so at peace, the boy was so at rest, That it looked like he was dead. Jesus lifted him up, and he was completely cured. Did Jesus give him medicine for, with side effects? No, he cured him. Now, then later, his disciples go into the house with him, and they privately ask him, now, does Jesus teach his disciples in front of everybody? No. Did he shame his disciples? No, did he? Come on, guys. Did he tell the crowd? See these disciples? Bunch of boneheads. Did he say that? No, he didn't do that, did he? He brought them into into the secret place. He brought them into the house privately. And then they said to him, Jesus, how come we couldn't do it? How come we couldn't do it? Well, you know, these things are really complicated, guys. And, you know, sometimes it's not God's timing and all. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, like, well, God just does what God wants to do. You know, you never know what God's going to do, you know. And, you know, God's sovereign. And so if he chooses to heal somebody, that's like, that's okay. I mean, you know, if he doesn't do that, that's all right, I mean, even though it makes God a liar. But, you know, if he doesn't do it, that's all right and, and everything. And, you know, like, well, <laughs> you say that? Or how about this one? Because <laughs> I'm God. And you ain't. You shouldn't have even been trying, okay? You shouldn't have been trying. I'm God. Did he do that? What did he say? This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. There's only one problem. Did you see Jesus praying and fasting in that story? We were like, hold on, time out. Um, I know, Father, that you're really desperate, but hold on, this is a fasting demon, and so I need to go not eat for a little while, right? I'm not really sure where we get that kind of application from the text. Did Jesus pray and fast in that moment? What did he do? Get out. Why could Jesus tell that demon to go like that? Because he'd already been prayed up and fasted up, yeah? He gives us a little bit more insight. If you, do, if you look at the parallel story in Matthew 17, the parallel story in Matthew 17, starting in verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And you get a little bit more insight from the parallel passage of the story. Jesus says to them, verse 20, it's because of your unbelief, or some translations, your little faith, For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Did Jesus just tell a mountain to move, and it moved? Yeah, it's called demon. Didn't Jesus just do that? He's all, get out. And that demon, a mountain, it moved. Right? And he just told his disciples, if you believe, you can do that. Why did he tell them that? Because it's true. Because faith has access to all the power of God. Amen? Faith has access to all the promises of God. Yes? Is it true or not? It's true. Is God true or is he a liar? So did God say, you can ask anything in my name to the Father and it will be done for you? Did he say that? Did he say all of the promise of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus? Did the Bible say that? Yeah, yeah? Did Jesus say, you can say to this mountain, be moved from here to there and if you believe it will move. Did he say that? Didn't he make promises in the Bible? Right? That he would provide for us according to his riches and glory? Did he say that? Didn't he promise that he'd always be with us? Right? Didn't he promise that by his stripes, doesn't the Bible promise, by his stripes you are healed? Did he say that or not? That you can lay your hands on the sick and they will recover? Did he say that? And in his name, in and, and in his name you can cast out demons? See, if you're the Father and you're not a disciple of Jesus, but you're desperately wanting Jesus to come through, you can believe God, and His power will be released for you. You can freely receive what God wants to give you, abundant life, healing and deliverance and salvation, and His grace and His forgiveness. You can receive it, but how? By faith, amen? And if you're a disciple of Jesus, how is it that you can minister those things to other people? How is it that you can go and give the kingdom away to other people? How do you minister the kingdom? How do you freely give away what God wants to give to other people? How do you represent Jesus to other people? Only by faith, right? See, if you want to see, if you and I want to see the kingdom manifest in our life, you want to see what God says in his word to come to pass, believe. Faith is vital, isn't it? Faith is absolutely vital. Whether you're the father in the story or whether you're the disciple, Jesus says the same thing to both of them, doesn't he? If you believe. And he puts the responsibility to believe on them and he tells them, if you can believe, nothing is impossible to you. There is no sickness. There is no demon. There is no problem that is bigger than Jesus. Yes? He heals every sickness. Have you ever seen Jesus in the Gospels not be able to heal somebody? Do you ever see anywhere in the Gospels where he's like, oh, I'm really sorry, Carol. I tried. And I don't know why it didn't work that time. Do you ever see Jesus do that? Do you ever say, see Jesus saying, you know, James, it's just not God's timing right now. Do you ever see Jesus talking like that? There's a reason why. Did he ever lose? Or do you see in the life of Jesus somebody who got his prayers answered and moved in the power of God and brought the kingdom 100% of the time? Yes or no? Yes. And the one time his disciples can't do it and they ask him, hey, how come we couldn't do it? Does he give them the, well, you're not God? Does he tell them, oh, well, you know, it's not God's timing? Or does he tell them, let me, let me explain this to you. I release the kingdom by faith. And you, because you're my disciples, you release the kingdom by faith. And if you don't believe, it doesn't come. But if you believe, nothing is impossible to you. Faith has access to all the power, all the promises. The limitation is not on God. The limitation is, is on us. God is not the problem, our lack of faith is. Do do you think that Jesus has gotten weaker over the years? Do you think that we have the 2,000-year-old Jesus? He's a little bit tired and sick? Do you think that he's getting a little bit worn down? Or he's just impatient, he doesn't really want to do those things anymore? Oh, no, no, wait, I know, we got the American Jesus, right? We got the Western Jesus, because you know all those miracles that happen in other countries too, I hear that one all the time. It happens over there and it doesn't happen over here. Oh, oh yeah, that's because you got the American Jesus, sorry guys. Do you have a different Jesus than other people in the rest of the world? Do you have a different Jesus than the disciples did? Do you have a different Jesus than the one that ministered through his disciples in the book of Acts? Do you? You don't have a different Jesus. Do you have spirit junior? Do you have spirit light? Come on, come on, right? The same Holy Spirit in Jesus is in who? Yes. Did you did you get a different spirit? Did you get a different spirit when you believed? Did you get a smaller one, a weaker spirit junior, right? Who's just still like trying to figure things out. There is only one Holy Spirit, yes? And it's the spirit of Jesus Christ and he lives on the inside of you. And the same Jesus who died and rose again is the same Jesus building his church and he will manifest his kingdom through those who believe. He said that, did he not, in John 14? He who believes will do the works I do and greater works than these. He confirms when his word is preached. He confirms when someone believes him. He says, "You believe me, I'm going to do it. There's a reason why Jesus never failed. He never lost. Because he believed God. And he was teaching his disciples and he's teaching you and me today. I'm not the limitation. If there's a limitation with us, See, we have a God who's all-powerful, who's made all these promises, who is absolutely faithful, and He cannot lie. So He's faithful, but we have a hard time trusting, don't we? Why? See, the problem is that we're not convinced that he is who he says he is. We're not convinced. We're not sure. We're double-minded. We say, well, I know God loves me, but I know God, I know the word says this, but. See, we're all okay with theory, aren't we? We're okay with a God who did it in the past. That's not faith, by the way. We're all okay with it being an idea or a theory. Hey, did God, did God split the Red Sea? Oh, yeah. Did Jesus heal people? Oh, sure. Did he raise Lazarus from the dead? Oh, absolutely. And he is he your God right here, right now. The last time I checked, he is the I am, not the great I was. And we're all okay with the theory about it. We're okay with it being a story in the past. But the question is, do you believe God is with you here and now? That He will do it for you this time? You can even say, well, I know God came through for me last year, you know, financially. And then all of a sudden you're freaking out this time. Faith is when you are convinced that He will do what He said He will do. That's why in the storm, Jesus said, why are you guys afraid? Oh, you have little faith? And then He calmed the storm. Because there is no problem he can't solve. There's no storm he can't calm. There's no sickness he can't heal. There's no demon that he can't cast out. There's, no, there's nothing stronger than him. And there's nothing he can't do. And so he's faithful and we need to be convinced. And because of that, there are so many Christians. They deal with such shame. You and I both know that faith is absolutely vital. You cannot please God without faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven. And so we as Christians, whether you know it from the Bible or inherently. We so often approach this issue of faith, and we feel like victims to our own unbelief. We feel like somebody says to us, hey, uh, do you believe? And we're trying to prove to ourselves and to other people that I do, I do, I do, I believe, I believe, I believe, that. I know the Bible says this, and I know the Bible says that, and I, Bible says this, and I know the Bible says this, and I know the Bible says that. And we're trying to convince ourselves doctrinally. We're trying to convince other people that we're, oh, no, because, because if I do have a lack of faith, well, then I'm probably not a very good Christian. There's so much shame with this. So there's really two responses to what I'm talking about today. When when you look at Jesus and you see all these things that God wants to do, and faith has access to them, you really have two responses. One is to hide from this issue of faith, to basically be codependent and be like, no, I, I, it's, you know, I mean, it's really up to God. You know, if God wants to do it, He would just do it, and and to basically put it on God, and to blame God. Well, I don't know why God didn't do it. And so much of our human traditions, so much of fatalism, paganism, legalism, it's invaded the church. Fatalism is, well, if it's God's will, he'll just do it. That's fatalism. Paganism, that's like, well, if I was a better person, God would just do this and I need to do better and I need to have more faith. And if God, and, you know, I show God love me. And, I mean, I, I got to show God I love him and then he'll love me and he'll do this for me. And, and that's legalism too, isn't it, right? I do this, and God will do that. Or oh, maybe this is happening. Maybe this is happening because I have sin in my life, and those traditions, those lies, those accusations of the enemy—they rob us of faith. They drain us out of faith. And so, on one hand, people hide. They basically flatter us. It's okay. You don't need to believe God. No, no. It's up to him. It's up to him if he wants to do it, and we flatter ourselves, and we excuse ourselves, and we self-justify, and we hide, and we don't want to take responsibility. And most of the time, the reason why we do that is because it's easier than dealing with the shame, isn't it? Oh man, if I was a good Christian, I'd believe God, and I hope God doesn't find out, and I definitely hope my church doesn't find out that I really struggle with these doubts, and I struggle with unbelief, and I struggle. And so because I struggle, and I'm a believer, and I'm having a hard time believing I must not be a very good Christian, huh? And we have this shame. You want to know why? It's because we don't understand that Jesus already knows that you have little faith. He already knows. When he came to earth, did he see a harvest of faith everywhere? No. He saw a bunch of dirt. And he said, I'm going to plant some seed. Why do you think Jesus is a rabbi? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to understand, did Jesus reject this man, this father? Did he shame him? Did he condemn him? Did he reject him? No. He awakened faith in the man, didn't he? But did he flatter the man? Did he coddle him? No. He told the man what his responsibility was. He taught him all you need to do is believe. And the man said, I do believe. Now help my unbelief. And then with his disciples. Think about it for a second. Who is he talking to in that house? I know it's a simple question. He's talking to his disciples, which means that they are following him. Many of you here today, I know some of you are not, but are you not his disciple? When he sees a lack of faith in you, does he kick you out? oh yeah, you guys didn't make the cut. Get out of here. Did he do that to his disciples? Do they cease being disciples? They have unbelief. They have fear. They have a lack of faith. Peter had a ton of pride. Did he ever reject them? Kick them out? Did he? No. See, we don't understand that Jesus knows faith is a process. He knows that when he gets you, He's getting somebody with probably no faith. And he knows how to grow you up. He is called the author and the of faith for a reason. Because he's the beginning of the faith. And he's the one who's going to bring it to completion. And he's everything in between. He is the Lord of the process. And when Peter was walking on water and then got afraid and started to sink. And Jesus said, oh you little faith, sorry dude. You're going to die right now. Or did he catch him and lift him up? And together they walked back to the boat, did they not? I think we forget that part. He walked on water two times. The first time, and he sunk. Jesus caught him, and they walked back to the boat, and he said, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? You know why he told him that? Hey, you didn't sink because my word is weak. You didn't sink because you can't do that. You sunk because you started to get afraid. Do you know what he's doing? He's teaching him. Do you realize that this story in Mark chapter 9, he's constantly teaching the whole time. He's teaching the Father, he's teaching the disciples, and he's cultivating and awakening faith in them. Do you see that he's modeling? He's literally modeling what to do. He's modeling a life as a man empowered by the Spirit, who lives a prayed-up, fasted life. And he was not intimidated by demons. He wasn't intimidated by scribes and Pharisees. He wasn't intimidated by the lack of faith of this Father. He moved with love and compassion, and he believed God. And he's modeling, and he's teaching, because he is the author and finisher of faith. Here's, here's the point for today. You don't need to hide You don't need to hide from His correction. You don't need to hide from Jesus' teaching. You don't need to ignore this story or the call to believe God in the Bible. You don't need to hide from it. Make excuses. But you also don't need to live in shame. You don't need to believe that, well, there's something wrong with me. You don't need to be a victim anymore to your own feelings and thoughts of unbelief. So many Christians, because they don't understand faith is a character issue. It's something that Jesus cultivates in us like he does every other thing he cultivates in us. We feel such a shame that we're either in or out. We either have 0% or we have 100% and that's it. But guess what? None of us are there yet. And we're all in this process of Jesus cultivating faith in us as the author and finisher of our faith. And if you have little faith, that's just your opportunity to grow. And so what do you do? What do you do? You don't hide, and you don't shame. You don't blame God, and you don't condemn yourself. You come to Jesus. And I'm going to teach you that faith and growing your faith is a process. I'm going to prove to you in the Word of God that you can and we need to increase our faith. And I'm going to give you practical, practical habits that you can do every day, And you can grow your faith up with, obviously, Jesus' help. And you don't have to hide and live a powerless Christianity with a form of godliness but denying its power. You don't have to just live in theory, the God of the past, the God of the Bible. But God can be your God. Like He came through for David, like He came through for Peter, He can come through for you. And you don't have to live in shame. But you can take responsibility for your own faith. You can embrace the process with Jesus. And you can come to the author and finish your faith. And you can say, as I know we all relate, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I know we're all like Peter, most of us. Lord, I do have little faith. But where else shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. You can choose to come to Jesus. And I guarantee the things I'm going to teach you, they will grow your faith up. And you will be a different person. And God will manifest his kingdom in and through you 30, 60, and even upwards to 100 fold, just like Jesus. I don't just say this because I've seen principles in the Bible. I say this because I'm going to summarize probably 15 years of my own journey applying these principles to my life. See, because when Jesus says this kind come only by by prayer and fasting, you know what he's saying. He's talking like a good coach. Hey, coach, why would we lose that game? Let's go back to the practice field. And let's cultivate that. And I'll tell you, I used to be that man full of shame with this. I was so full of human traditions, thought God was distant and angry, and I had to convince him of stuff, so full of self-pity. You know, a friend of mine comes back from um, Africa, and he's like, a two-year-old boy walked. He'd never walked before, and he was totally healed. And I was like, oh man, everybody else gets to see that. I don't get to see that. And everybody would get prophetic words and such, and I'm like, I didn't get any prophetic words. (laughs) And then, you know, then when I do get a prophetic word, somebody was like, you're going to move in healing. And I'm like, I never I was the guy that I looked at David, King David, and I said, what the heck? Who is that guy? He thinks he can take out a giant. I was the guy that I looked at people who were like great leaders and was like, man, where do they get all that confidence from? I'm so insecure. I'm, I got no confidence. Why do they just think that God's going to come through for them? You know, you hear these testimonies, of these people who raise the dead or like Mueller. He's like, doesn't even ask for money, and like money's just coming to him and food and stuff, and he's just giving it away. And all these, and you're just like, and seriously, I would read these testimonies and these biographies, and I was like, you know, you see it in the Bible, and you see it in modern day. I did. I don't know about you guys, but I saw it in the modern day, and I literally was like, dude, what is the difference between them and me? And I had so much shame. I'm like the poster boy of shame in the past and skepticism. Oh, Oh, yeah, none of you can even match skepticism. Dude, I relate to atheists, okay? Like, don't even mess. Like, I understand, okay? <laughs> I was so offended at God. But I came to Jesus. I really did. I came to Jesus. And like that man, I said, I want to believe. I don't feel it. I don't understand it. I don't even know if you love me. I don't even know if you're real at times. And I just kept coming to Jesus. And I kept letting his word do what his word does. I'm going to teach you about that. I don't see 100% fruit all the time. But there's times where I've said, the sickness, get out. Didn't lay hands on them. Lady's knee was all bloated up. Oh lady in our church, for weeks she couldn't even bend her knee, They said, get out. And that night, she wakes up, her knees feels like it's on fire, like really, really hot. All that swelling gone. Why? Because Jesus healed her through me because as the Bible says, it's in His name and through faith in His name. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen blind eyes. See? But well, they weren't blind. They take it back. Deep cataracts. They could not see. It was all foggy. I saw, her, I saw her eyes healed. I saw her cry when she could read small text from far away for the first time. Is that because I'm so super spiritual? Because I was like, believe, oh, believe, Jesus! I'm on the phone with a lady in our church, and she says, man, my, my hip always hurts. And I just, I just said, well, I rebuke that pain in the name of Jesus. And we said, okay, cool, hey, have a good day. We hung up, and two seconds later, she calls back, and she's like, the pain is gone. And then three, four months later, she told me, hey, guess what? It, just, it never hurts anymore. That was the power of God's word, because anything is possible to him who believes i have just given you some physical healing stories. But the reality is I've seen this happen in every area of my life. When I believe God, God does what he says he's going to do. And you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to, oh, I wrestle, I struggle. You don't have to fake it with other Christians. Yes, I believe. You can just be like, no, I don't. I struggle. And you can get into an environment like this at our church, an environment of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Grace says, no, you're loved and you're on a journey and you're in a process and where you're at is okay. You could be here and you're not a believer. Say, it's great. Lots of grace here for you. But we're a church of grace and truth. Which means Jesus gave lots of grace to that father and he gave lots of grace to his disciples but he didn't lie to them. And he didn't take their responsibility. Jesus is not down with codependency. And he said to them, You need to believe grace and truth. No shame, no hiding. Grace and truth. So here's what we need to do today. Kurt, come on up and lead us in prayer. But I want to tell you where we're going to go. I want to invite you to repent. I want to invite you to humble yourself and cry out to the Lord for faith. If there's something lacking in your faith, Be like that man. Be like those disciples. Jesus, what do I need to do? Come on, stand up. And so I want you to lead us in prayer, Kurt. Lead us in response. Lead us in humbling ourselves and crying out to God for this kind of faith. And, of course, there's going to be prayer teams up here on my right. And these people are ready to prophesy to you. They're ready to release healing into your life. See, because I know some of you, you're hearing accusations from the enemy. The enemy is just lying to you about God's character and he's lying to you about you. You don't love God. You're a hypocrite. You don't really believe you don't fit here. Or maybe God doesn't want to do it for you. The enemy is lying to some of you here. I hear it. I know it. Done today. And the prayer team's here to partner with you or if you just need to stay in your seat and just cry to the Lord. But listen, you don't need to let the enemy bully you with those accusations anymore. He's a liar And the only reason he's lying to you about God is because he wants you, he wants to separate you from God and from what God wants to do in and through you. We don't need to believe those things anymore. We need to believe what God says. Amen? So let's be like that man and cry out to the Lord. Thank you.